I really believe that it's a good timing for collectors to collect something really nice works. When the market was hot, you had so many competitors back in the days, but nowadays it made everything easier to collect art. I'm Vivian Chow, and this is The Art Angle, a podcast from Artnet News, where the art world meets the real world, bringing each week's biggest story down to earth. In today's global discourse, Asia often takes on an expensive, sometimes oversimplified identity. Especially within the global art market, this vast continent is frequently painted with broad strokes, overshadowing its rich tapestry of cultures, intricacies, and nuances. Over the past two decades, major global auction houses have been tilting the Asian market, highlighting the fact that about one-third of its sales go to Asia. But exactly where and to who? We always hear about sales of blue-chip Western galleries at art fairs in Asia, but little on their counterparts from the region. Is the art fair frenzy even sustainable in Asia? As the art fair roster is getting more crowded, what about the region's homegrown talents who are raved by local players but getting little attention in the rest of the world? And what is the future of Asia's art market amid the economic uncertainties and geopolitical tensions? These are some of the questions we aim to address with the Asia Pivot, our latest bi-weekly newsletter focusing on the art market of the Asia Pacific region. Available to Artnet Pro subscribers, the Asia Pivot will bring exclusive market data, analysis, and insights about the region, breaking this big cluster into bite-sized takeaways, while shining a spotlight on the local market and rising stars. The Asia Pivot will also trace the growing presence of the Asian diaspora and Asian market players, increasing outreach in the Western market. To mark the launch of the Asia Pivot, Artnet, in partnership with Asia Now in Paris, presents new frontiers and fresh challenges: the future of the art market in Asia and the Asian diaspora. A panel exploring burgeoning fine art trade across Asia, as well as the growing presence of an Asian diaspora. Taipei and New York-based art advisor Gladys Lin and Seoul-based collector Jamie Nu. Joined me at Asia Now in Paris to discuss current market trends and challenges, as well as hopes and fears of the region. Drawing their various experiences and observations, Gladys and Jay shared their insights that are rarely heard beyond the region. Very excited to be here at Asia Now. The first day, I'm Vivian Chow. I'm the London correspondent for Artnet News Team. Another reason for being very excited is that we have just launched the Asia Pivot, our new Asia-focused newsletter. And then I thought, okay, where could it be? You know, a better platform than being at Asia now, because this is such a special fair and a special platform for art and players from the art world from Asia. With an Asia focus, but here in Paris. So now today we're here to talk about things that are happening in Asia and also Asia in the rest of the world. So this is a perfect occasion. Joining me today on this 
panel discussion, New Frontiers and Fresh Challenges, the Future of Art Market in Asia and the Asian Diaspora. We have Gladys Lin, an art consultant based between Taipei and New York, and Jamil Noor, a young collector from Seoul. These are very good friends of mine. I think I know them pretty well, so I'm, I'm really, I really appreciate it that they agree to join us today here. Let's introduce you to our audience, like what you do, you know who you are, and so we first start with um, Gladys. So you're an art advisor, and you're based between Taipei and New York, so between the East and West. So maybe tell us first about how you started advising people on art. Hi, my name is Gladys. It's an honor to be here to share and also exchange the thoughts with all of you. I know it's a very long day, it's our week. I'm Taiwanese, I'm based in Taiwan. Three years ago, I started my small business in New York. So actually right now, I'm based between Taiwan and also New York. So when I started my art career, I think that was in 2006. Yeah, it's a long time ago. Maybe you can guess. Maybe I'm not very young now. <laughs> so I think that is my first job because I'm not either from the art history major or from the collector family. So doing arts is something my dream, but how to get into it? I'm very lucky. There's a very important gallery uh, lady. She hires me as the uh, administration director of the auction house. So actually my first job is in the auction house because that is very easy for the outsider to know what's going on. And during 2006 is uh, quite booming our contemporary market there. So I got a chance to learn. For the rest of my art career, I'm mostly with the gallery from Taiwan, mainland China, India, and then to Sean Kelly, New York. And then I started my own art business as a consultant since year 2016. So yeah, that's a long term. That's quite a rich history and a very interesting trajectory, how you move around in the art world. And I heard that being an art advisor or an art consultant is still something very new in Asia. And I've heard that people still don't quite understand what an art consultant does. Is that true? True, true. Actually, you know, even I start my art consultant since year 2016, it's very new. And so most of our, my clients, they are from corporate. So I help them to do the public arts. Because a long time ago, before I joined arts, I working in nearly 10 years in a very international big corporate in Taiwan and also Japan. So I know there's something like a desire, they want to do some public art or something. That is what I start. I'm doing lots of the corporate things, yeah, to help them, yeah, when I started. And then even now, in 2023, the art consultant is quite new, yeah, in Asia, because most of people, they'll think it's not challenging to buy art. I buy what I like. Why I need to pay? for the consultant, because I come from the gallery, so I have uh, so many clients from the gallery field. And then when I start my art 
consultant. You know, normally in New York, you charge them. You know, if you show them around to the art fair, yeah, they need to give you a fee or something. But in Asia, they say, "Oh, I'm your client." You know, a long time ago, even they just buy one piece from you five years ago, they'll be your client forever. They say, "Okay, so that's the art fair puzzle." And then, can you walk me around? Something like three hours or four hours. You know, each booth for free, <laughs> for free. <laughs> and then, can you do the negotiation for me? Because that's kind of, kind of a lovely Asian thing, you know. Because we think, okay, we're doing long-term relationship, and then we building up, and then we end up with maybe we come up with something like you, you will help me to get something, okay, for free. And then, yeah. <laughs> That's the thing, but right now I think、uh, this is very different from New York. Yeah, this is very different from New York, but it's also the very cute part of the Asian market. So I think there are lots of potential because we have lots of newcomers. They buying art, whatever they like, but in end of that, they will really rely on what we are going to tell them. What is the insight? Because I think this is the kind of process. In the end, I think they will value what the art consultant could do for them. I'm sure they do in the long run, and I'm sure they should value the expertise, the insights, and also information that they might not be able to get elsewhere. And I guess art consultant is still at a very early stage in Asia, but it sounds like it's a promising profession. So, just one more question, very quickly: since you started. And compared to now, have you observed the changes of the way Asian collectors approach art collecting? And if so, what are the biggest differences compared to like, people in the past? Okay, so since I started my art consulting business, I think that I'm working with most of the elder art collector. Yeah, so right now I'm working between something like a two generation: the elder one from the gallery, what I did before, and then right now most of them they trust me. So right now they introduce me to their kids. Okay, so it's a very interesting thing because two generation they see different two things. So sometimes I'm the one in the middle and need to do something like a translator for them. Yeah, and for the elder one, I think for the elder one because long time ago we don't have so many affairs. Just like we have it now, and also the information that they need to get is through the reading. You know, they don't have our nets. You know, so many information during that time. They need to dig the knowledge and also the information in a not very convenient way. Okay, so the thing is that whenever they talk to me, it's something like a concept. What do you think about this artist? The concept is unique or something. So that is conversation that we did in the past. But for the younger generation, they are very different because they have so many fits, Instagram affairs everywhere, and also friends, and so there are lots of pop up shop, you know, for the something like a trendy thing. So. They will come up with something like, "Oh, what do you think? Do you think this is cool or something?" You know, it's a very different things. I just trying to give them advice because actually, if you certain kind of buying art in certain kind of price range, just like buying the bag, okay, you can buy whatever you want. But the thing is that if you really want to buy a really a piece of good art that you want to see for the at least five years, ten years, or eleven, you know, twenty years, because right now shipping is very expensive. Normally, you ship whatever. Okay, you ship Picasso is this kind of, but you ship something like a very trendy power. It's also very expensive, so they need to value 
my professional to do that. So actually, two generations, I'm very honored to be in the between. So how to transform their information. So I'm very lucky. Yeah. That's a very important role, like between the generation. You're actually translating culture. So it's not just about... Yeah. <laughs> not just about art collecting. You're, you're bridging the gap between I'm two bridging different the gap. And also times. sometimes they will, they will fight, you know. And then also the parents say, I don't know why they buy this, those kind of trash. Can you tell me why? And then also the kids I say, oh, I don't want their collection. Can you sell that? I don't want that. But I say, you know, that's a part of our consultant things happening in Asia. <laughs> that is my job most of the time. Wow. And speaking of the young generation, so Jay, what Gladys has pointed out about how young collectors, how they receive information and how they treat information like differently. Is it like very much like the way how you start collecting art, how you assemble your collection? And when you look at art, is that how you got like information like from everywhere? And so you do your own sourcing and also your own curating of the information. I think that's totally true. I definitely agree with both of you. So I started collecting since my high school year. At that time, having information online was not that much as much as now. But nowadays, I see so many information online. Everything's online. Instagram, Facebook, and even if you Google something, then everything pops up. That definitely changed the whole way of collecting art. And for older generation. It's not easy for them to Google or um, search online and do some research on their own. And I personally spend a lot of time doing research and reading things about art. I shouldn't say this, but I spend even more time than doing my job. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so not just me, but I see a lot of collectors were getting addicted to collecting art. And I'm not saying that it's a bad thing, but it's a good addiction, I think. I guess. Yeah, I get a lot of information through my friends, go to art fairs. I travel, especially this year after COVID, I travel pretty much every month. And I meet people and I get information. I talk to people and I see art, of course. And not just the fair itself, but I go to see a lot of museum exhibitions and gallery exhibitions from the local. And that definitely impacts on my thing when I collect art. Yeah, I think uh, you're a very hardworking collector. And I can assure people that Jay is everywhere. Tell us a bit about the art in your collection. What is your vision? What kind of art collection you want to assemble? I know recently during Freeze Soul, you welcomed a ton of people to your private collection. How do they go? I mean, when these people, when they see a collection assembled by a young Asian collector, what comments do they make? Do they feel, oh, wow, this is like the future? So I collect a lot of young artists. I try not to set any limit on ages or their nationality, but I figured that I have a lot from young artists that living in the same era. It's because, of course, we're all from different culture and country, but still I feel more common and connected to them. And so during Freeze Soul, definitely Freeze brought a lot of attention to the city. And thanks to that, I hosted so many people and so many groups from museums, collectors, gallerists, curators, and directors from all different countries, all different cities. 
was not easy, but I had so much fun hosting them. And I treat them as my friend, and they treat me as their friend. And I think it's not just about buying art and selling art. It's more about building a relationship with galleries and also with people from museums and curators. I value that quite high, so that's very important. And yeah, I hosted many groups during the two weeks, not just one week. Two weeks, wow. Yeah, and uh, I agree with that. It's also like sharing our perspective, your values, and how you see the world through art. That's a very meaningful way to build relationships. I also wanted to ask about your collection. So you mentioned that you don't really set a limit on where they come from. So does it have to do with a bit about your educational background? Because you were educated in the States. I think so. Yeah. I went high school, college and grad school in the States. So for me, it was nothing weird to start with international artists. And I moved back to Korea in 2019. And since then, I started collecting the local artists too and get to know about the local art scene. But before that, I was in New York. And for me, it was easier to know about international artists because New York and um, the States and Europe too. A lot of galleries and institutions that we see. And I would say that definitely influenced me a lot in the way of collecting art and enjoying art. Amazing. Now we want to talk about the key issues that we want to discuss today. That's the future of the art market in Asia. I think looking at the past year so far, 2023 has been a very busy year for Asia because at the beginning you have a new fair that was launched, Art SG. So it started from that in January. And then you have all these different fairs, you know, Art Basel Hong Kong like, came back. And then there's the new fair, Tokyo Gandai, and then Free Soul, which felt much bigger this year, comparatively speaking, compared to last year's launch. It felt non-stop and also Art Taipei is happening also at the moment right now. So it feels like there's a lot going on. But then if we look at the sales, like the business, they don't seem to be as good as previously. Previously, we've seen a lot of reports, reports that I have written myself, that while these young Asian collectors, they have been like buying so much like internationally. But then this seems to be quite different this year. And of course, if we look at the auctions in Hong Kong, beginning of October, and we felt that, wow, times really have changed. So I wonder what you to feel about the market in Asia at this moment? I feel like the market is definitely slowed down. But to me, back in 2020, 21, 22, that market was quite unusual. And it was just too much for me. And everyone just went out to buy art. And I think that was not normal. And to me, I feel like market slowed down a lot, but this is quite a normal phase to me. Of course, it's not great, but I'm not just saying it's not horrible. Things still sell, people still buy arts. I really believe that it's a good timing for collectors to collect something really nice works. When the market was hot, you had so many competitors back in the days, but nowadays it made everything easier to collect art. So like now is a good time for like real collectors. I think so. 
Do you agree, Gladys? Yes, true, true. I think I recall the first market down in my career is the year 2018-19 Lehman crisis. And then, so I think before that, three years before, that is a blooming, very crazy thing in Asia. Yeah, we're talking about contemporary art markets. So I think starting from the mainland China, everybody know that, and spreading to Japan, Korea, Taiwan, and even the Southeast Asia, and also India contemporary art. So they are so crazy. And then, so we have a Lehman crisis in year 2018. So suddenly just everything just going down. So I think our market, just like every market, you know, they have a upside or downside. So I took that as very neutral thing. Um, but right now we are still facing a new normal and the crazy buying thing that's bombing to every industry after COVID because everyone wants to buy the thing or want to change their lifestyle. Yeah, so I think that is kind of new normal thing. But right now we have war and also the economy market. Yeah, in general, it's not very clear. And then inflation, you know, everything. So I think that is normal that the market slowed down and also is a very good time to buy because I recall that during the Lehman crisis, I bought a very good Nara for my collector. That's something like a 200,000 US dollar only. Very good, 200,000 and you can choose, you know. I think I choose maybe two Nara and then there's one Nara I bought something like 200,000 US dollar for my client. And also the gallery is very happy. My client is very happy. And then unfortunately he saw that after four or five years increased the evening sale for something like 1.4 million US dollars. So of course, I think that is for a real collector, good collector, I think it's a very good time to see. And also you have a lot of option to build up your own collection. But we still need to be cautious. Uh, yeah, we you know, need like to be said. very cautious. Yeah. Because right now the problem, okay, not a problem. The right now the Fed is in year 2018 or something even before, we don't have so many supply. So right now there are so many supply. And then there are so many arts there. So that is the value of the art advisor. We can tell you what is the good thing and what is maybe is very risky for you to do it. That is our value there. And also for the collector, you need to do the really careful research. And also reading is also very important if you want to collecting arts. Not only the information, because right now only one problem is too many information. Too many information is not information. Too many art is not really art. I think that is the thing I feel. Am I too honest? I love your honesty. I think we all love your honesty. Um, okay. <laughs> yes, I guess we're now in a phase of adjustment. So the good ones will stay and then good for serious collectors who are looking for like really good art for their collection. Another thing about when people say Asia's art market, it often overlooks the nuances of each different region. Asia is such a vast region, and we talk about even Korea and Taiwan, Hong Kong, Shanghai, Singapore, and Jakarta. You know, just to name a few, all these places, they are all so different. So I think you two come from different 
regions in Asia. So how do you feel about this? How can we address these nuances, especially for an international audience who are fresh to Asia? It's really hard to say the whole Asia is one thing because obviously we're all from different culture, different country, and the government is different, and the tax issue is different, the culture is different, and the arts is different. Everything is different. And depending on which country you go in Asia, not even the whole Asia. I mean, China itself is just so big. They're like huge country. And it's hard to say that Asian collectors, like a certain artist, we have to separate them into different categories. I think that is a exciting thing in Asia because actually, you know, there are so many happen because I'm from the East Asia and Jay is from, you know, different regions so from Korea and then Korea, Japan, they are very different, even they are neighbor. So I think that would be okay for the international newcomers who want to know about Asia. I think the first of all, you need to see what kind of town context you're interested in. And then you dig into the culture things first. And then I remember when I was working for the Indian gallery, even India is very big, right? And yes, they do have 25 official languages. So the thing is like, you know, when I'm working with the artists from the North India and also South, they are very different. They are very different. Okay, so the thing is like, art collecting is more like a visual and also the personal experience, you know, because sometimes even you didn't go to Nepal, but you see Nepal, you feel so touched. Maybe your last life, you are in Nepal, you know. There's nothing that we can give you something. I think that's a cultural contest or something, whatever part you want to die into. So I think that you can start from that part and then to see, okay, if you like the modern or something contemporary, you know. So yeah, that is a very excitement to become an Asian people because we have so many things we can try. I think that's um, the intention of the Asia pivot. That was why our team at Artnet wanted to introduce this. It's not just a newsletter that, that's being sent out to subscribers bi-weekly. I see it in the long run that it should be a platform to generate you know, new ideas, to bring people together and to have useful and informative discourse about what's happening in Asia and also Asia in the rest of the world. That is the diaspora. So we have done some stories previously on Artnet News. Um, so we identify some galleries in the West and we see more of them. They are interested in representing artists from Asia or Asian artists who are based outside of Asia, in London, New York, and we see more and more of them, or, you know, in Europe. And I know that, Jay, you also have one of these artists in your collection. Can this become something new? Can this become a new trend? And what do you think about art by artists from the diaspora? I think it's normal because Asia is big and Asian arts and it's growing. And I see a lot of collectors from Asia. I see more and more of them. But at the same time, we do have some artists from Asia or with Asian diaspora, but still compared to the number of collectors or the amount they collect each year, it's not there yet. So I see a lot of movements and supports from people, especially in Asia, they try to 
support more of artists from the local. I am also part of the Gold Art Prize. It's a biennial art prize that award five artists. And the concept of the award is to support Asian artists. Not just that, but I see a lot of movements from collectors and even foundations and institutions trying to support more of Asian artists. And I think it will continue to do so. Initiative of my project doing is more like uh, the bridge, something like a cultural exchange. So what I did before, I think it's since year 2010, I brought Taiwanese artists to do the show in India. That's what I'm doing. So right now I'm still doing the same thing. I brought the artists from Asia to New York. And also some kind of young artists from West to Asia. So that is uh, most of the, my projects are doing. So I'm not like in a general art consultant they are doing because I'm more like to doing job and the working thing with artists together. Yeah, so I already keep doing this for over 10 years. So I found there are lots of very interesting conversation between that. And I think for the younger generation, because right now we are not only in Asia because we are a global citizen. Before maybe they are talking about more about the cultural background, but right now we see the thing different. Maybe we have some mentality from where you are, where you're from. Yeah, so I believe that there were lots of things will be happening between this kind of exchange. I hope and I see that something more interesting will emerge in the near future. So we can take a couple of questions before we close our panel. Hi. Thank you guys so much for the talk. It was really good. You both have strong ties in New York. And I was just wondering, is there a difference between the younger clientele in Taiwan or in Seoul and who you work with in New York, <coughs> like as the market is changing? I think New York is the most international because it's a melting pot, everybody there. Also, there are lots of Asians in New York. So actually, what they are doing in New York, that is a very different kind of things, you know. They are more like uh, want to explore something very exciting, you know. Yeah, because you live in New York and you don't want to get bored. I have a lot of clients. Most of our clients come from Taiwan and very few from the mainland China. They also would like to go to New York to learn something. That is Taiwanese. It's a very tiny island and a very small population. But the people, is, they like to learn new things. And then the Korea, and I think Jay know much more than I do. So the history of art in Asia is very long. But history of collecting art or contemporary art is relatively shorter compared to the history of Europe and North America. And because of that, I see collectors in Europe or the States, they have a stronger taste. They just collect what they want. But, and I see a lot of collectors in Korea too, in Asia too, but I still see some of them just follow someone else's taste because they're not so sure about their own taste. And I totally understand why, but they need to take some time to see art and, um, they need to have some more experience to have a stronger taste and that will definitely grow the whole market. Yeah, I would like to thank the, the three of you for the very insightful like panel that you, you did. Continues the previous question. I would like to know for you, Gladys, as an advisor and you, Jaya, as a collector, what kind of advices you will address to people who are about to build or would like to start 
to collect the newcomers? Okay, I need to go back to the very cliche things. I think you need to go to see more museum show. I think that is a very important, yeah. And then be patient, and then also look at the art from your eyes, not from your phone. Because people like go there, they just want to take a picture and do the selfie, those kind of things. Actually, you don't have any connection to what you are seeing, okay? And then, so I think that you need to keep yourself a very lonely moment with art, and you will see what type of art are telling you. You have connection. It's not every art can connect your soul, but as long as that you just be in a very, very good. Kind of situation, not the party mode. In a party mode, you see the thing is different. But we are talking about a long run, so I think the museum show is definitely. And then right now we are in Paris, and Paris is so much more beautiful show, amazing one happening now. So I think that is a very good start. Another thing is reading is very important because the concept. It's always important when you really want to buy the first piece of your art. You will see, okay, this concept is unique, or someone already did that again. Yeah, so I think you just take your pass slow to see, not rush. Yeah, not rush to buy because right now I think we have plenty time. Continuing that, I agree that people have to go see good arts, not just anything. I mean, of course, all arts are important. Again, I recommend museum exhibitions, and some gallery exhibitions are nice too. But we see tons of galleries opening every day, so yeah. So we need to see some good arts, and also if the person wants to collect an artist, then the person needs to know about the artist and the materials and the techniques and the concept of the work, artist intentions. So when I look at an artworks. The first thing I care about is the uniqueness of the artist, not just their technique. As time goes, technique definitely develops, but it's hard to have their own uniqueness. So for me, especially, I collect a lot of young artists. I see a lot of them still not perfect with their techniques, but I still collect them when I see the work and don't think about someone else. Then I think that's really good. And also, for me, pretty doesn't mean that it's good art, and ugly doesn't mean that it's bad art. I have a lot of awkward, ugly arts, but I love them. So, for one artist that I have in my collection, it took me a while. It took me almost two years to get it, and after that, I started getting curious about the artist and why he did this and just why. And I start want to collect the work, and I love the work. So it's very important to know what you like about the artists. Good evening, and thank you very much for your very uh, insightful and recent talk. I'm an educator of East Asian art, and I've been uh, doing this for quite some time. And I see, for me, art market and the idea of art as business is a different side. I'm I'm an academic, <laughs> so my question is about. Building this relationship and making a bridge between academia and、uh, art market, because as you mentioned, that knowledge is one of the most important components of building a collection or making decision. I just want to know, in this、uh, current art market situation, is this connection making? Is it getting stronger, or some kind of 
in a way, uh, do you feel that uh, there's potential to make this kind of bridge between art markets and academia so that both sides are taking advantage of each other? I think it's really important because in the past, I see academic side and the market side was completely separated back in the days, a lot of the times. And I know that institutions don't want to be somehow involved in the market, and I understand why. But I still feel like it should be somehow connected, not like the same, but should be connected to each other and then try to educate people to tell them that art is not something so hard, it's not so difficult to understand. And if the market and the academic side, it's se totally separated, then it would be even harder for people to understand art more, people in general, not just collectors. And I think it is happening. I think it's a kind of debate all the time, right? Because between the academic and also the gallery, and also we can see there are lots of debating or something like a happening if the commercial part want to sponsor academic to do the show in the museum. And the people say, whoa, that's sponsored by the commercial. But the thing is like, okay, commercial is that harmful? That's the question, because actually the artist also needs support, right? So the thing is that we need to back to the honest. We need to back to the reality, because before a long, long time ago, we say, okay, academic is academic, and the commercial is commercial. They are no longer to be together in the same one same platform. But what I'm seeing in New York at the moment, I think they are trying to be collaborate in the subtle way. Okay, that is good, that is good. Because I think, because when we go to the museum, you, if we can see the show, because you know, I'm not from the art history background, so sometimes for me, it's very difficult to understand the text. If you go to the museum, you don't understand what is that, right? Sometimes you say, oh, that's so difficult. But right now in New York, there are lots of museums, they're trying to do in a very down-to-earth language to educate the people. And then I think for the arts, it's no harm to let more people to get to know the artists. I saw the Rouché show in New York. They're doing a very fantastic things. And even though they happen, uh, they have the Picasso show, you know, uh, just happened last week in, in MoMA. They also, they're doing a very good introduction. Yeah, so I personally glad to see there are lots of things could be influenced or be not collaborate. I think maybe certainly supported from the commercial part, that more artists could be seen in the good way. Yeah, not in the lonely island, you know. Yeah, it's going nowhere. Okay, that's my thought. Thank you very much, Gladys and Jay, for joining us today. And on that note, I think we are all in one, the same ecosystem, and we all have different roles to play. And at the end of the day, we just want to bring good art to people. So thank you very much, and thank, thank you. you so much, Asia, now for having us. And uh, please follow Artnet, follow us on Instagram, and um, if you can, subscribe to Artnet Pro and the Asia Pivot. Um, Yes, so please check it out. Thank you so much again, and hopefully we'll see you guys again soon. Thank you so much. Merci beaucoup. That's it for this week's episode. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
or wherever else you get your podcasts. Also, take a moment to rate and review us. It will help other listeners discover what we're doing. The Art Angle is produced by Sonia Manalili and Caroline Ghosting. Thanks for listening, and see you next week.